center and coming in is Loom. New with Dyke center that. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pike on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour is underway. It is Thursday, May 11th. Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome and welcome to the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Dot com. Why are we at the Scotiabank Saddledome, you ask? Well, it's Calgary Wranglers game day on Thursday and Friday. They take on Coachella Valley in the first two games of this best-of-five series between the two best teams in the Pacific Division and the two best teams in the American League. Steinberg and Pike on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Go get Flames Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more on Coachella Valley and the Wranglers in a little bit, but wanna want to make a case for a pending unrestricted free agent. Not one of the groups, not one of the, the guys in the group entering the final year of contracts because we know about that group with Tanev and Hannafin and all those guys, Lindholm, etc., that are entering the final year of contracts. I'm talking about one of the immediately pending unrestricted free agents in like six weeks or whatever it is. I want to make a case for bringing back Michael Stone because the more that I have thought about it, the more that I think it's, literally a no-brainer to bring the guy back um so i want to i i i want to do that will, will you allow me to yeah. make this case ryan pike pat, pat pat emailed me the outline this this afternoon and i replied back to him with okay i think i i think i see your your mindset would you care to elaborate pat because i the more you explain it to me the more i go from hesitant to being like okay okay i can see we i can see why you'd want to do that okay so I believe of their pending unrestricted free agents, they've got the three forwards, Trevor Lewis. I guess, I mean, Matthew Phillips is also part of this, but I'm talking about guys who are NHL NHL roster guys. So they got Trevor Lewis, Milan Lucic, Nick Ritchie are pending UFAs up front, and on the back, it's Troy Stetcher and Michael Stone. And for me, the two that I would take the largest runs at re-signing are on the back. Um... I would be bringing back Stetcher if I could. He is interested in doing so. He said that on Locker Cleanout Day. Just talking to uh, some people I trust, I, I believe there is absolutely. Not not for a song, not for well below market value, but you know for a fair contract. Everything that I'm led to believe, um, kind of on both sides of the situation, is that Troy Stetcher absolutely uh, would, would be very interested in re-signing with the Calgary Flames, which is very much in line with, with what he already told us, so it's not like I'm breaking news or anything like that, but I, I guess what I'm saying is what he said on Locker Cleanout Day a month ago was not lip service. He, he, there is a desire for him to stay with the Flames. So I would bring back, before we get into Stone, I would bring back Troy Stetcher if, if I were Calgary. I would go down that road because I, I think there's a lot of merit to bringing a guy and, like Stetcher back. I'll say this. I, I really like Troy Stetcher. I loved what we saw out of him. And, you know, if you – my my big question, and it'll it'll come up when you talk about Michael Stone a bit too, especially for Stetcher, because Stone I think is a different different role, different situation. For Stetcher, where do you put him? Because the problem is with uh, as much as you don't want to say, oh Oliver Shillington coming back is a problem. Oliver Shillington coming back is fantastic news for That's everyone huge involved. News. But it all and it gives the Flames seven guys with NHL experience who have 
pretty well-established styles of play and roles and such. And so it almost slots into Dennis Gilbert as your dirt cheap, technically making less than minimum wage, uh, you know, seventh defenseman. And then you have your top six guys slot very well. And the only question I would have a Stetcher is, ooh, love the player, don't know where he fits. Right, because... With the with Shillington coming back, you've got six top six defensemen that are already under contract. But as we've talked about throughout this off season, I don't think it would be completely out of the question if we saw the Flames move one of those guys, whether it be because you're not getting the vibes that they want to resign, whether it's just for cap relief if the cap doesn't go up uh, more than expected. And, like I don't think it would be crazy to suggest that. And you know, like you, you and I've talked about this, looking ahead far too much. Uh, that one week in Nashville between the the NHL awards on the Monday and the draft on Wednesday and Thursday, there's a GM meeting on Tuesday where they're going to lock in the cap number for the following year. And then, you know, obviously there's going to be whispers of what the number is beforehand, but once they throw that that uh, green flag after GM meetings, everyone's going to scramble to either get below a number or they're going to realize they have more money to spend or less yep. money. And so if when you mention the whole idea of, oh, well, you know, they got six weeks to figure it out, yeah, they got six weeks to figure it out, and especially if you're you're going to have potentially a new general manager in here potentially within a few weeks, their their June will probably be be spent figuring out. Okay, hi, I'm the new boss. Are you going to be you want to be here for longer than the next year, or do you want to be here uh, you know for a much shorter amount of time? And I think that that would be the situation where I think dominoes will topple. That will make Troy Stetcher. The questions I have surrounding Troy Stetcher's role probably somewhat yes. irrelevant fairly soon. Yeah, I think that's a very fair way of putting it. Now, whether they decide to re-sign Stetcher, whether they decide to keep everybody under contract or decide to move somebody for cap reasons or other reasons, none of that affects what I'm about to say. Because regardless of what Calgary does, regardless of how the Flames go about their blue line this summer, I still think re-signing Michael Stone makes nothing but sense because he wants to be in Calgary. Not only that, he'll only be in Calgary. He confirmed that to us on Locker Cleanout Day um, where he said that to paraphrase and to interpret, is my interpretation wrong when he said basically, yeah, I want to keep playing in the NHL, I want to keep playing pro hockey, but I'm not going to play anywhere but Calgary. Yeah, I mean... I that's 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 essentially what he said during uh, during the the period of time where he was recovering from his blood clot and the period of time where he was you know a, a frequent healthy scratch you know I rode a lot of elevators with Michael Stone from the the press box down to the the, the event level and the guy loves his family like he is super dad and it's a cool situation for him being able to play in your hometown his family his extended family is based in Calgary I believe his his significant other's family also based in Calgary kids doing all kinds of sports and you know events and you know, all kinds of kid stuff in Calgary so for him he gets to be an NHL player and play like he, he outside of his injuries he played every game this year he would have been I think he played 48 games and he missed 20 with injuries so he's pretty close to actually he missed 30 with injuries but he was pretty you know when he was healthy he was a regular yep and for a guy who is a healthy scratch a couple of years before that's a big step for him and so yeah if, if you're him are you going to find a better situation for your career or for your life than in Calgary? Career, maybe, but you don't know for your life. 
I don't know. I think I think in terms of work-life balance, I think he seems to have figured out something that really, really works for him. And you know, if I were him, and I'd had the the you know the the life balance and the the success on ice that I've had in the last few years, if you ask me, you want to go somewhere else, I'd probably go. Uh, why? Why would I want to? Yeah, and 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 I respect uh, I respect the hell out of it. Um, and it it puts the Flames in an advantageous situation with a guy that is still a very capable NHL defenseman, um, basically publicly saying Calgary's where I want to be. It's the only place I'm going to be. I'm not moving away from my family. So if, if Michael Stone's pro hockey career is going to happen, it's going to happen with the Flames organization. So that means that you can absolutely get him on a team-friendly deal. You can probably get him on a two-way deal, Pike, Nobody's going to claim him on waivers because he's not going to report. He'll just end his career or or not play. He can be a number seven, number eight platoon guy on your NHL roster. And if he needs to play in the American League, he'll be a consummate professional down there and he'll be a leader with some young defensemen with the Wranglers. Like I honestly see zero downside to re-sign it. Not bringing him in as a PTO unless unless you have to uh, for cap reasons and, and to get cap compliant by the deadline. But if you bring him in as a PTO, I, I'll say this. If he comes in as a PTO, we know that he'll be signing at some point. If, yeah, if he, if he shows up, you he'll know be, he's going to have a deal somewhere. He'll be on the team in some way, what? shape, or form. I just yeah. I don't see a downside. Two way contract. You have and, the like. Let him know. Like he'll know the circumstances. He knows what's going on. If it comes to it that the American leagues where he plays, he'll be awesome for him down there, and, and he'll be a good player for and, the Rangers. And especially, especially two points. One. Uh, it's going to be a good like unless everyone who comes back to the Wranglers next season suddenly forgets how to play hockey and some you know unless some of these the new faces like Lucas Siona I don't think they'll disappoint but you know if you know there, there, there's always some rollover and you never really know how the group's going to gel so you never know but unless a lot of things go wrong for the Wranglers they're going to be a really good team next season so hypothetically if you're looking at okay what if you swap Nick Maloche who's on a one way for Michael Stone. And then you have a guy who's played a lot of hockey, mentoring some of your young guys. He, he's able to sort of help bring them along. And he's a, still a pretty capable player. And if you have the ability to have some of your up-and-coming young guys basically play or share a locker room with someone who's been there, done that, and has played a lot of hockey very recently in the National Hockey League, or at that point he might be wobbling back and forth, it, it, it allows you to have a really savvy mentor for your youngsters and also gives you some insurance because, you know, let's say, let's say Stone goes somewhere else. You know, you might be nervous about being an injury or two away from having to throw Jeremy Poirier to the Wolves. If Jeremy Poirier is in the NHL roster, I want him in the NHL roster because he's killing it at the American League level. Because he's ready. And having a Stone hypothetically in, in an AHL, NHL flex role gives you the ability to insulate your guys, but also doesn't take a spot away from them. So last year's Stone, 750 NHL, 400 AHL. 
He was on a one-year, two-way deal last year. Sign, sign him to the same damn thing. Hon- this honestly, year. I think, uh, and I know that you'll have to escalate because the NHL yeah. middle go it's, up. It's up to seven seventy-five. So, so okay. So give him one year, yeah. seven seventy-five in the NHL and four twenty-five, four hundred in the American. League. In in uh, in your your mailbag column in Sportsnet.ca, you you pitched the idea of signing Matthew Phillips to a one-way because a rewards the player and b it's insurance against him getting claimed to a certain extent. I kind of want to do the same thing for Stone. I think you can you can easily it's it won't break the bank. You know he's going to be worth the money. And if the idea is you're paying Stone partially as an NHL player, partially as an AHL player, and honestly maybe partially as a coach down there, he could be Reg Dunlop down there, sort of teaching the young guys in you know a way that maybe some of your other coaches can't. You know I think he's got those chops, and I think it gives you the ability to a help develop a person who's been really important for your club, and also it helps the team. So I mean you know as a I know it's not my money, but I wouldn't be too hesitant to throw some some you know one ways league minimum to some key pieces, and I think Michael Stone would be on the list of pieces that you consider doing that with. The only re- and this is going to sound like a real dick thing to say, but if if I'm if I'm Flames management, if I'm Wranglers GM Brad Pascal, if I'm whoever the new <laughs> general manager is going to be, um, perhaps it, it's also Brad Pascal, but. What, regardless, I, I'm uh, I'll, I'm probably gonna say, well, Mike, we uh, we know your situation, so here's the one year two way. Here's the one year two way deal for you because you do as much as you don't as much as you don't love to say it, you do have the leverage in that regard. I just yeah. if if you're the Wranglers and and if you're Mitch Love and you're Brad Pascal next year and you're looking at your team and the Flames do bring back all their guys under contract and they re-sign um, Troy Stetcher, well now you're talking about having, you know, maybe maybe Stones and 8 at the NHL who Get some time and it kind of platoons in the American League to keep him fresh. You've got Dennis Gilbert that you can have in the American League in the final year of his contract as well. I mean, there is never anything wrong with having a lot of depth at the position. And and if you do make a trade, if there is a move that say if you're not getting the sense that Noah Hannafin wants to re-sign, well, then maybe you deal him this summer and now you open up a spot where Troy Stetcher's in your top six every night and now you're looking at, you know, Gilbert and Stone as your as your depth defenseman come injury. Um, I just I just I see zero downside to it. And so just for cap compliance reasons, because you gotta be Cap compliant a day before the regular season starts, and and you got to have waivers happen and stuff like that. Before that, maybe you bring Stoner in on a PTO, and then when it's all said and done, that's exactly what they did this year. Exactly. Once it's all said and done, they get cap compliant. Guys clear waivers. You send them to the American League. Oh, now we've got the space to sign you, and you do. Like, I just yeah. I see no downside There's, to it, and I still think the guy can play. Like you're not doing him a favor. Yes, he only wants to be here, but it's not like it's not like you're signing me. It's not like you're like, well, you know what, Pat? We well, just Pat, really want Pat, you to make seven fifty. You're, you're just killing. You're negotiating leverage here as well. I mean, yeah. I if I if I'm if I'm as representatives, I believe still represented by Craig Oster. You you're gonna ask for one year, one way, and they'll go. Ah, not sure about the one way, buddy. But maybe like a one point seven five way, where you're basically you're almost on a two way, but the AHL side's so high that uh, that it's you know. I, I think if he got 400 last year, 
five hundred. And I believe it was four fifty guaranteed, which means if he yeah. and he didn't see the American League last year. He was in the NHL all year. Maybe, but, maybe but, they just t- take that contract, change the dates, bump up the number, and go here you I go. Just bump up the number. Everything a little bit. everything inflation. gets inflated by thirty by thirty grand, and then that's the deal. I'd do it. No, no brainer for me. Whether you make a trade in the blue line, whether you don't make a trade in the blue line, whether Stone is number eight or nine on your depth chart, six or seven on your, if, I, I, if, I just think it makes nothing but sense. If he's nine in your depth chart, you're probably feeling pretty happy with your depth. Yeah. And yep. as a certain former Flames general manager once said, you can never have too many defensemen. Let's uh, jump in on the text line at nine sixty nine sixty. This says Calgary should give Stone three years. They really mucked him around. Unfortunately, it remains a business, so I don't think that's what's going to be the case. It's not typically like, you know, we like you, so here's three. As, as much as makes for good storytelling, it's probably not realistic. Uh, Mick writes, move Uyghur to right, trade Tanev, keep Stetcher in stone. Uh, Wes and I got into the conversation about Tanev's future on Wednesday's Flames Talk in hour one, I believe, and um, that's, a, I, I think, again, you know, you've got a guy who will be 34 in December, and you've got cap space that you might need to create to effectively fill out your roster elsewhere. You've got a guy like Stetcher. You've got a guy like Stone who both want to remain here. Yeah, I could see them, whether it's a Tanev or a Hannafin. Or the, the, the beauty is, because you've got Uyghur who can play either side, he can play the left, and, and he did so damn well, especially with Rasmus Anderson in the back half of the season. Or, as Daryl Sutter told us all year, their preference was to have him on his strong side on the right. You've got that guy, so it almost doesn't even matter what side you would trade from if you're the Flames. Uh, This reads, Michael Stone's a must. He's a team player, an awesome teammate, and has a hell of a shot. Should have been on the power play and is willing to sit upstairs if need be. And finally, this one. uh, Does this make Michael Stone the greatest hitman ever drafted? No, but he's been a good one. Um, I think Getzlaff would probably be number one. Andrew Ladd had himself a pretty good run. I think missing. I think once you get a ring, I think you move up at the top of the list. He's definitely I think I think he's he's definitely in the mix. I mean, in terms of you know Calgary Hitman who spent this long with the Flames organization, he's obviously I think he's the clubhouse leader. Yes, he's def- if, if talking about Flames, he's players that he's, have been drafted from the Hitman. He's definitely he'd be lapped the one. Wade Davis. He's definitely lapped Croner. So I think you lapped Croner. He he has nine minutes on me though. In the NHL, he has nine minutes. I think he has more than that. He has 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Yeah. Played a full period. Oh, his GAA was his nine. Goals his goals against his nine. <laughs> Croner, don't listen. We, lo- um, we love you, Cron. Here are, here are, here's the list of uh, guys that he'd be competing. Would, I would think that Getzlaff is the guy. Other NHL alums from the Hitman, Carl Alsner. Uh, Johnny Boychuk had himself a pretty damn good career. Uh, Ooh, Johnny Boychuk's a sneaky good one. Really good one. Galliardi had a good career. Martin Jones has had a really good career. Um, we mentioned Ladd. Um, who else we got here that's been pretty solid? You know, Victor Rask has, has bounced around. Sanheim's had himself a pretty solid career so far. You got Michael Stone. Um, that would kind of be the the list that Stone would be in as uh, best hitman to ever be drafted. So um, but that, That's a pretty good list, though. Never worked out with Pavel Brendel. Uh, Brad Moran, who's doing a hell of a job as head coach of the Calgary Canucks in the AJ, had himself some NHL time, but um, yeah, I would, uh, Stone would be right in that top group. He 
could be probably three to three, four, five, six, somewhere in that range in terms of best yeah. NHLers to come out of the Calgary hit. Yeah, you know, you know who's off to a sneaky good start though, Mark Kastelik. Yeah, Kastelik's had himself a nice run in Ottawa. Good for him. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a sneaky good. Now, was Kastelik drafted though? That's I uh, think he was. He was a uh, I think a seventh. Was he a seventh? Okay. He was fifth. He was a fifth, fifth rounder. rounder. Okay. For whatever reason, I was thinking that Kastelik might have been a free agent signing, but no, he was a 2019 fifth rounder of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Steinberg and Pike, Flames Talk Hour 2 is underway on this Thursday from the Scotiabank Saddledome. World Championship starts Friday, by the way. Uh, Calgary has players on Canada and the United States both playing on Friday. So Canada, Tyler Toffoli, the captain, Mackenzie Wieger and Milan Lucic, they open up against Latvia on Friday. And then Team USA has Matt Coronado on their roster. They open up against Finland on Friday. Funny enough, uh, both teams that have flames on them will be opening up against the two host countries. Uh, what what jumps off the page? What are you going to be watching most closely when it comes to Canada, United States, um, or um, just when it comes to the Flames players at the World Championships, I mean, I'm I'm really really intrigued as to how uh, Matt Coronado looks with Team USA. I mean, I'll commend I'll commend USA Hockey because the last few years, I think pretty much since I think 2018 or 2019, they've been really open to bringing in young guys like mm-hmm. 19, 20, 21 year olds. You know, they've been bringing in a lot of those fresh faced guys who you know are. To be blunt, they haven't played as much hockey as their pro brethren, and so you know Matt Coronado, even with the the, the time he spent with the Flames, has played what less than 40 games, and so he has less mileage on him than a lot of the guys he'll be playing against or even playing with, and I think that could be really interesting in terms of what does he have in the tank. You know the the most interesting part about Coronado at the Worlds is. They had him playing center in their pre-tournament game. He was, he was, he was on a line four, with he was four C against uh, Germany, wasn't he? Uh, Cutter Goche and Sammy Walker were his line mates. I just again, you take a look at at the U.S. roster. Like we're not talking about a lot. It's not a who's who. You've got Garland, you've got Tuck, uh, you got Benino, but it's not it's not what you would call a who's who of big names in the NHL. But I just find it interesting that the Flames. Right now, it, it feels like they see Coronado as a right winger, but playing center at the World Championship. I just think that's a, that's an interesting little wrinkle to the whole thing. Yeah, and I, you know, the the Worlds is what it is. It's you know, it's a big. It's always been a really big deal for the European teams, and it's been less of a big deal for the North American teams. And as a result, we've seen variable levels of uh, su- of success for Canada, the United States teams that are disproportionately uh, North American players because of the leagues they're they're pulling from. But I mean, I, I'm super curious to see what emerges because you know, did anyone see Andrew Mangiapane coming in late and becoming the story of the Worlds a couple years ago? We thought he we knew he was good. Did we know he was take over a tournament good? No, I don't think we anyone really saw that coming. And that's kind of the fun things with these kind of tournaments where you don't really know how guys are going to gel. You don't really know who's going to get hot. And, you know, part of the, one of the things that has really, you know, caused the stock of Matt Coronado to rise in college hockey circles was the, a bunch of his teammates went away. I think two or three of his teammates at Harvard went away to the Olympics in February of 2022. And so his he went from being a freshman with a, a relatively... You know, a moderately large role. He was a secondary guy, and then they went 
hey, we need somebody to step up because, you know, Harvard was not a team that was a shoe-in to make the NCAA championship tournament that year, and they went on a heater. And the reason they went on that heater is because Matt Coronado found ways to score goals or set up goals at key moments of basically every game. And I'm really curious, in a tournament setting like this, against a lot of opponents where, you know, on paper, the USA has them outmatched, can Coronado get himself going the way he got himself going in the Hockey East tournament and the NCAA tournament a year ago. Uh, for Team Canada, they open Friday against the host Latvians. Uh, from a Calgary perspective, you got the uh, three flames. Uh, Milan Lucic was on a line with Joe Valeno and Sammy Blay in Canada's win over Hungary in the pre-tournament. Tyler Toffoli was playing with Scott Lawton and Jack Quinn. Uh, and Mackenzie Weger was the number one right side defenseman being paired with Jake Middleton. Uh, Calgary product Jake Neighbors had himself a good year with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he was uh, kind of uh, pl- platooning with Kraus and Glass and Krebs on on a line for Team Canada. Uh, so you have some some solid Calgary contributions on the Team Canada team. Uh, and also interesting, no Connor Bedard, we know that, but uh, likely number two overall pick, Adam Fantilli, was with Jack McBain and uh, Michael Carconi on that uh, Team Canada roster. So they open up against Latvia. U.S. opens up against Finland both on Friday. And finally, uh, before we uh, go inside hockey with Jonathan Davis, uh, let's talk Wranglers and Coachella Valley ahead of Game 1. Game 1 Thursday, Game 2 Friday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's the number one and two teams in the American League. 106 points for the Wranglers, 103 points for Coachella Valley. Coachella's won two series. They won a best of three, and then they had to go five to beat Colorado in that, round uh, two. Ha- having the three home games really benefited Coachella Valley in that last series, It right? did, and they'll have the three home games again this time around if it gets that far. Now, the Wranglers will have something to say about that. How tight are we expecting Coachella Valley and Calgary to be? I, Coachella Valley, I think they're going to be playing more of an, an open game. I think Abbotsford had to rely on balance and just a grinding physical game to compete with uh, the Wranglers. And they ended up winning a game, but all four games in the series were decided by a single goal. And I think it's going to be potentially higher scoring, a little bit more open, because I think Coachella Valley plays a little bit more of an energetic style. They're more finesse and less physical, but they're a good team. I mean, they have a, a lot of players who folks who uh, who watched Western League hockey might be familiar with. Riker Evans uh, is on their blue line from the Western League. Uh, Cole Lind, who spent a lot of time in the Western League, he's, uh, you know, he was just shy of a point per game of the regular season. So they have a lot of guys. You know, it's, it's, it's still an expansion team's farm team. And so you might not have the cohesiveness of a lot of other firm systems simply because it's been cobbled together the last year or two but they have a lot of really really promising young players uh ty cart cart cartier cartier see this is why i talked with you uh but ty cartier is still with uh the kraken so they're gonna be without one of their better players but you know uh, they're a good team they have have a lot of high-end players that might not be jump off the page nhl prospects to folks not familiar with the, the kraken system but 
they have a, a lot of guys who are maybe a year of development or two away from being pretty useful players for an NHL team. Uh, by the way, in the American League this year, Shane Wright had uh, four goals and six points with Coachella Valley, uh, one of the top picks, the number four overall pick from the most recent NHL draft. He has three points in eight games so far this postseason with Coachella Valley. So uh, if uh, you're looking for biggest name on the Firebirds, yeah, it's definitely Shane Wright. And, and – we were talking about former Calgary Hitman, Carson Taransky. Former Calgary Hitman, four points in eight games for the uh, the Firebirds. Well, and you got Stanley Cup winning coach Dan Bilesma as the head coach. Uh, so, yes, it is uh, Coachella Valley, Calgary Wranglers. They open up their third-round series in the Pacific Division Thursday night, and then tickets still available for Friday's game. Last time there was a Friday game, it was a doozy. The crowd was awesome. Get out there, support the Wranglers. The hockey is outstanding. This is going to even be better than Calgary and Abbotsford was. The level's good. Top Flames prospects. Uh, tickets still available. If you want to go see the Wranglers in Game 1 or Game 2 uh, of their best-of-five series with Coachella Valley. Pike and Steinberg along with you. Uh, it is a Wranglers game day. That's why we were coming at you, or are coming at you, rather, on this Thursday from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Saddle Dome. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. Time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. It's Steinberg along with you as this Thursday edition of Flames Talk continues. It's time to say hello to our buddy Jonathan Davis of NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He's our Pacific Division insider. was listening to him on Wednesday night on Ice Cap late after the uh, Oilers-Vegas game, breaking down all the action on a playoff Wednesday in the NHL. And now we get the privilege of talking to JD on a Thursday. What's up, Jonathan? How we doing? Uh, you know, Pat, I'm still, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm really frustrated with this whole Darnell Nurse situation, and, you know, we're still waiting on what happens with Petrangelo, but I, I as, a, as a hockey fan, I really think the league missed the boat on, on not In what sense? And, and I'm, not, I'm not even saying I disagree. I'm just curious as to where you're coming at it from. Where, what, so on, on the nurse front, if you're just joining us, uh, yeah. here's the situation. As Jonathan and I are talking right now, if you're listening on podcast, Department of Player Safety has not made their ruling on Alex Petrangelo for his slash late in Game 4 Wednesday on Edmonton's Leon Dreisaitl. However, there was an instigator assessed to Darnell Nurse in the final five minutes, uh, which is an automatic one-game suspension, and that one-game suspension can be overturned. It has been upheld, however, so Nurse will not play in a pivotal Game 5. So what what about it has uh, you frustrated, J.D.? Well, because, you know, these were two guys that have been going at it since Game number 1, and were going at it all through Game number 4. And, you know, there's look, there's no question that Darnell Nurse came, traveled distance to get to um to Nick Hague. Hague. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's no question. There's no argument there. 
But when he got there, it's not like he sucker punched him. And, you know, Nick Hague was actually the one that got the better of things, you know, handed out, I thought, the better of things early on in that scrap. So I think, you know, if you're if you're paying attention to the series and paying attention in particular to that game, these were two guys that had wanted a piece of each other all night. And, you know, for one reason or another, they avoided, you know, they avoided it. And I think Nurse even addressed it after the game. Uh, I think even Mark Stone had addressed it either after last night or one of the previous games. No, it was after so it I, was after I, uh, it was after Game Four. I actually listened to uh, yeah. I listened to it again today just to make sure that I I heard correctly. Yeah. So I just think with all of that, taking all of that into account, you know, really, like you're going to suspend a guy for that? I just I, I just think the league's missing the boat. I, it's, and what I also don't understand is, is that I'm not sure, and this may be semantics, but this came from the Department of Player Safety. According to the rules, it's hockey operations that's supposed to be dealing with matters uh, in this area. So, again, it may be semantics, but it just seems a different department. Uh, according, you know, when you read the rules, right. it's not supposed to be a player safety issue. Um, but, again, that, that in itself may be semantics. I just think that – so I don't know. Uh, you know, what, what do you think about what I'm saying? Am I so am okay? I so uh, yeah. I'm going to come at this objectively because uh, I I do really want Vegas to win this series. Uh, yeah. But objectively, objectively, uh, I agree with yeah. you 100. percent I I think I think it's um to to call like the instigator the instigator translation to suspension in the final five minutes of a hockey game is to avoid ridiculous things happen it's to avoid you know a game four going into game five somebody trying to it's trying to avoid what chris simon did to mike rafji in game four of the sharks and flames in 2004 when simon jumped rafji and the only reason he did it we all loved it the the dome went nuts but he he did it because uh it was it was all about trying to send a message and, and hurt a guy for game number five. And so it's for that reason that this this exists. That was not Darnell Nurse jumping Nick Hag. Yes, as you said, yeah. he traveled distance, but I didn't think it was Nurse jumping him. And I didn't, like, like to me, I guess you, you assess the instigator in game, sure, but I think that you want to talk about semantics. I think that they are applying this uh, using semantics too much and, you know, just try. It feels like they're like, well, we have to, we have to suspend Petrangelo here and Nurse. We don't want to show any favoritism. I just think in a bubble, right. I, I, I wouldn't have upheld the suspension myself either. So I do agree with you as much as I really want uh, – um, Edmonton to lose this series. <laughs> you know, and, and Pat, I'll, let, let's, uh, and I'll even go back to the game earlier in the night. To me, Matthew Kachuk should have been fined for what he did to Mitch Marner at the end of the game. Like, I, Matthew Kachuk threw three punches at Mitch Marner at the end of the game because he knew he isn't going to the box. Like, those were three freebies that he got in. And I think if you want to start, like, you look at, at what, to me, that was just, that was a guy that's going to get two minutes for, for roughing or even a double minor for roughing. Big deal. It's not carrying over to the next game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just think, like, that to me, like, that's taking a freebie. 
And I didn't like that. Look, I, I love Kachuk. I, I don't want to see anything happen because, you know, look, I've got him as one of my MVP uh, picks for the playoffs. I put some money down on it. But that to me, like, that's wrong. I thought what yeah. Chuck did at the end of the game was wrong. And that's a message that you can't let that sort of stuff happen because that was chaos at the end of the game yeah. in that Leaf game last night. And so, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really confused. And I'm very That's the best word for it. Yeah. That's the best word yeah. for it. Is, is the decision-making this postseason and all throughout the regular season, but the decision-making by the Department of Player Safety has been very confusing and extremely difficult to get any type of read on, which then makes it really difficult as a fan to know what and what isn't against the rules in this league anymore. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that front. And then the other the other big story coming out of game four between Edmonton and Vegas was Alex Petrangelo's slash uh, on Leon Dreisaitl. And, and looks like Leon's fine, so that's good news. But it just was so incredibly boneheaded. And again, for somebody who really doesn't want Edmonton to be back in the Western Conference final, um, it was really frustrating to see because that was as stupid as it gets. It was so obvious. It was so idiotic. And, and it was so easy to call on the ice. I don't know how you're not going to suspend him if you're Department of Player Safety because it was it was so obvious and and for a guy that important who plays those type of minutes to now put his team that has already dealt with all kinds of goaltending issues to now lose maybe yeah. their most important defenseman for a game or two at this stage of the playoffs. It was just so monumentally stupid and frustrating to see Petrangelo lose his head like that. Yeah, and I got to ask you a question. I, I don't know if I was dreaming. I could have sworn I saw a tweet earlier today that I reacted to that indicated that he was only getting fined $5,000. I haven't seen it again. Did you ever see that tweet? I think it got I think, I think it was a fa- I think it was a fake tweet. Okay. I, All right. I so think I that burned. one is – I think okay. you, got, you might have gotten burned on that one because last okay. I saw there's still – and that's okay because um, we all have it happen to us. Um, last I yeah. saw, though, as we're talking, as, as we're having this conversation, it's 5.49 p.m. Mountain in Calgary. Uh, the Department yeah. of Player Safety has not made a decision uh, as to what it's going to look like with, right. with Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, and, I, and my understanding is, is that you know Vegas traveled today um, and there, the hearing was after uh, they arrived back in Vegas. I still don't know why we haven't got an answer yet. I mean, it's, you know, it's not that long a flight. Uh, now, and, and here's the, the, the concern or the issue that I'm, you know, if he gets one game, like I could understand on its own that Petro gets one game for what he did. But now but compared to Nurse? He, compared to Nurse? Yeah. That's what what is a real head scratcher to me. Yep. And that that's, and, and, and so you have, you suppose you, you need to look at it as two different situations. I get it. And they're two different rules. I get it. But uh, man, if it, if it is one game, then please uh, we're, you know, that's just in the context of everything that would be very, you know, I, I just don't know how you suspend both guys one game when you look at the action. So, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and and then when you just look at the series itself, I mean, outside of game one, uh, 
it's just been crazy that, you know, we, we've had games that have been decided by three or more goals. I know. The last three games. Yeah, yeah it's funny. The, the, the two, the two, two, two series right now, um, have been game like series. I know there was the overtime win for Seattle, so that you take that out. Of, but I mean, lots of blowouts, blowouts in the Dallas Seattle series, blowouts in the Vegas Edmonton series, and yet they're the series tied two two and now best of three. Right. Yeah, well, twelve of the sixteen games in round one have been decided by two or more goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, in round two, I mean, I'm sorry, twelve of the sixteen in in round two. Yeah, two yep. or more goals. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been very interesting, and it just it just goes to show you that momentum is only as good as your next shift, as players will tell you numerous times throughout the playoffs. And you have you know you tend to believe it after you see what's going on here. Uh, and I'm not really sure you know what to make of what I saw in Game Five. The you know the other thing, Pat, going back to the Edmonton game last night. Uh, and and the and the uh, tomahawk chop from from Petro on, on Dreisaitl was you know Connor coming to Leon's defense and going right at Petro, but then Connor's looking around and going, guys, I need a little help here. <laughs> I know it was a very uh, it was a very hesitant jump to uh, Leon Dreisaitl's defense for Connor McDavid. I give him credit though. Um, I do. Yes. Last last point on Vegas Edmonton best of three now yeah. series tied two two what the hell are the Golden Knights going to do in net because Aiden Hill did not look very good at all I didn't find no he didn't but you know look the when, when you look at the at the goaltending situation I mean in in Vegas now look Aiden Hill's numbers during the regular season they were pretty decent I mean mm-hmm. the goals against average was. You know, like 2.5. I'm just trying to see if I can find my notes from yesterday. Um, you know, the save percentage was well over 900. Vegas is, you know, their whole their whole style of play is protect the goalie. Yes. You know, it, it's block shots, limit limit the good scoring chances. Hill was, uh, by the way, uh, Hill was 9, uh, 9.15 uh, with a 2.50 goals against this year in the regular season yeah. in uh, 25 okay. starts. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's just make the first save. We'll do the rest of the work. And so, I, you know, I don't think we're not confusing Aiden Hill or Ron Bossois, uh, you know, Logan Thompson, <laughs> Jonathan Quick, right? You know, present day Jonathan Quick with Marty Berdur or Patrick Waugh or even Quick in his heyday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, you know, you know, look, they are. They're not going to Jonathan Quick in Game Four or Game Five. I mean, there I, I don't see that happening whatsoever. And you know, unless Boisseau is healthy uh, enough to play Game Five, and no reason to think at this point that he is, you know, it's going back to try to play that same style. It becomes tougher if you don't have Alex Petrangelo playing. Uh, so that that will make it more challenging. Uh, so to what to make of the goaltending? Uh, it, this is really more about a team effort, and you know we're going to have to try to win this game, you know, two nothing. And we we got to they, they got to stay out of the box. Now the other thing for for Edmonton last night, Pat, was that finally, you know, for them, you know, three five on five goals. Yep. And that's something that had haunted them during this series. 
Um, you know, they were we, – we forget. I mean, Edmonton was six or seven in the league this year, five on five. Um, there's no question that the power play definitely, you know, has helped spearhead them. But, uh, you know, if they're able to play five on five like they did last night uh, for the remainder of this series, then, well, <laughs> it, it's going to make them even more lethal. Jonathan Davis with us, our Pacific Division insider, joining us here on Flames Talk. He does so weekly. You can catch him on NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. Uh, just two outside the playoffs, inside the division before we let you go. First of all, uh, yeah. no Connor Bedard for the Anaheim Ducks. They do not win yeah. the NHL draft lottery. They don't, but, you know, they get themselves a pretty good consolation prize, to say the least, in, in Adam Fantilli from the University of Michigan. Uh, it's not, a bad, it's not, it's not nope. a bad option. I think that in many other years, this guy could easily have been the number one draft pick. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, when you look back to the, the Crosby draft and, you know, and they don't get Sid, uh, and then you see this happen. And I don't know. For me, like, the idea that he went to Chicago, oh, I don't know. I just – I did not want Chicago. I did not want Columbus. Uh, and – but, yeah, it, it's a tough one for Anaheim. It definitely, it definitely is, but let's not – let's – tough one. Yes, you don't get Bedard. But like I said, Adam Fentilli is, I mean, a Hobie Baker Award winner. Let's not forget that. Yes, absolutely. And uh, again, I was listening to you on uh, Ice Cap on Wednesday night, and you were talking a little bit about Eric Carlson and him being one of the finalists for the Ted Lindsay Award. Um, yeah. But you, and, and he is, he's one of the three finalists along with David Pasternak and Connor McDavid. Uh, you're still, you still can't get behind Con, uh, Eric Carlson rather for the Norris trophy. Hey, never, no way. Not for a guy that plays 30 minutes of PK time throughout the year. That's, that's, that's on a, that's not that your best defenseman has to be able to kill penalties. Has to. If you're the best defenseman in the NHL, you can't, you know, if you're not playing the hard minutes, then you're not the best defenseman. You know, you're, you're, you're a rover. But he had a hundred, he had a hundred points, JD. I understand. But you know what? It's a lot easier to get a hundred points when you don't have to kill penalties and play the hard minutes. Like I still look at Kale McCarr who played over 240 penalty minutes this year and played you know, so he played 210 more minutes PK time and played, what, 22 less games than Eric Carlson. I'm not saying that McCarr is your guy. I mean, you know, he is the best defenseman, but I, I understand, you know, only played three quarters of the season. Sorry, your best defenseman has to be able to kill penalties. The best defenseman, if he's the best offensive defenseman, I get it, but not the best defenseman. We'll agree so. to disagree on this one. Uh, hey, one other, one other thing I do want to throw out. Um, I just want to sit, pass on congratulations to a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Morgan Stickney. And Morgan became the first ever American girl to be drafted in the Western Hockey League today. Uh, it's a huge accomplishment for her. And a girl that played her, her youth hockey here in, in the Junior Kings organization is out at Shattuck right now uh, and drafted today by the Portland Winterhawks. So, pretty amazing yep that is very neat a really cool story in the western league today good way to wrap it up jd we'll do it again next week uh enjoy the kraken and stars and enjoy the rest of the golden knights and the oilers hey we'll talk soon 
All right, bud. Have a great week. Thanks for having me as always. You too, pal. Jonathan Davis, uh, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. He's our Pacific Division insider, and he joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today as we start to wrap up this hour. Thanks to Ryan Pike. Uh, he's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. Thanks to our outstanding producers, uh, Taylor Dingman, and even Cam Hughes, uh, even though he is kind of mean. Uh, that'll wrap us up this hour on the program. This hour's been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.